Welcome back, folks, to the Mel Wright Show. This is episode 212. I've got my great co-host, Robert Newman, with me. This is going to be an internal discussion show. We're going to be discussing how you choose the right brokerage for you, the superhero real estate agent. Uh, um, so, Robert, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? <laughs> I would love to. My name, uh, to those that are new to our audience, is Robert Newman. I am um, an online marketer. And I, I, I am very unusual in that I have been specializing in real estate, residential real estate, for the last 12 years. I've uh, blogged about my journey and a lot of things I've learned. I've blogged about a lot of real estate platforms that I've taken a look at. And you can find most of that information on my website at inboundrem.com. I've also founded my own real estate marketing company, uh, which is inboundrem.com, Inc. Please not everybody be just astounded at my creativity. So um, looking forward to getting into this discussion today. It's going to be one that we have literally never talked about. John and I have done close to, God, 70 shows together now, 80 shows, something like that. So it's going to be cool. Probably one of the longest relationships you've had, Robert. <laughs> I've had longer relationships than that. Uh, Robert, I've had relationships that have lasted 71 episodes. Thank you very there, much. there we go. Uh, Robert's had a very busy morning, so um, he's, he, it's great that you could join us. Uh, um, so, <laughs> uh, um, so um, on the subject, so... How do we start this conversation, Robert? Um, what should, what, what, so I think there's the kind of new agent, there's the agent, there's a couple of years in, and then there's the agent that's been in, in it, might be three to four years. And I think at those different stages, you're probably looking at different types of brokerage. Would you, first of all, would you agree with that? I would agree with it. So guys, uh, for all of those who are listeners, because there's going to be a wide variety of skill and experience level. And uh, there's a lot of turmoil. The reason I wanted to talk about this topic today is that there's a huge amount of turmoil happening in the real estate world, primarily because of Compass. And the reason that that Compass is turning everything topsy-turvy is that uh, Compass is making some incredibly aggressive offers to brokers So most likely, most of you are agents and your boss or your team manager's boss, your boss's boss is getting incredible deals from Compass. And and, and if everybody wants to know, I'll I'll pull the curtain back and I'll tell you what the incredible deal is. They're actually offering stock in the company, in the core company, as part of compensation packages for top real estate brokers, which is why so many top flight, small and independent brokers are actually moving their flag over to Compass because why not have shares of a larger publicly held company that's doing apparently so well as opposed to continue to struggle along as an independent, which then raises the question, if you're a small broker or if you're a, uh, a an agent, how do you make those decisions. So John and I are going to discuss the ins and outs. And I think, John, the place that we'll start, if you don't mind, if you're not going to push back on me, which you almost never do, um, well, not in a real way, uh, we're going to talk about, first, we're going to list off the top six companies. And then what I suggest that we do is we, we talk about the differences between working for a major brand, which would be one of these top six, or working as an independent from an agent perspective. 
And then maybe we'll have a small dialogue, uh, if you're okay with this also, about what if you're a broker? And then what are the, what are the pros and cons that you and I both know about in terms of these brands? So That sounds, that sounds great. But also, I also think there's the kind of hybrid where I see a lot of agents that have to be with a, a broker, but they've all, they're a kind of brokerage in a brokerage, if you understand. They're kind of, they have their own power team. They're, uh, they're producing enough leads that they can't handle it themselves, or they've got a couple junior buyer agents, or they might have a couple of buyer agents and a, a seller agent underneath them, but they're handing out the leads because they're doing the online marketing. They're kind of, like I say, they're brokerage in a brokerage kind of setup. Uh, I, yeah, I... Keller Williams is probably most infamous for doing that because they've really segmented their business into so many pieces. You've got managing directors, you've got team leaders, you've got, so they've got a lot of different titles for a lot of different roles. Yeah, they, they like their titles, don't they? They really do. And all of these roles are based. Do you think that makes them super efficient though, Robert, having all these titles? Um, I don't know that it makes them efficient, but I will say this. I think that the reason Keller Williams has gotten so big is because they they have like each one of their regions has a group of Keller Williams like managing partners that get together and then they run the region by committee. Yeah. It's people that have boots on the ground. So I love their structure. They have a lot of it. But it is what has managed to make them one of the major, if not the biggest, brokerage. Like they have more agents than anybody else now, so something's working about it. True. Um, so here's the the list of the top six real estate companies to work for, and I'm pulling it straight off a, a website called Fit Small Business. Um, they're a competitor of mine, which makes this all funny because I'm now advertising them on my podcast. But we'll let all that go. Um. So Keller Williams uh, is number one. Ari Max is number two. Century 21 is number three. Coldwell Banker uh, Realty is number four. Uh, Sotheby's International Realty is number five. And Redfin is number six. So interestingly enough, two of those three brands is actually owned by, I think it's uh, Rheology. And um, so Century 21 and Coldwell Bank are actually owned by the same corporate entity. Keller Williams is, is an independent uh, stand-up brokerage. I'm not 100% sure about RA Max or Sotheby's. Uh, they probably have gotten bought up and are owned by somebody larger too. Um, uh, so each one of these individual brands purportedly – uh, gets gets you access to different tools, technology, reputation, branding. Like I know a lot of my my luxury clients kick the tires pretty heavily when they think about maybe partnering with the Sotheby's because the thought is if somebody's going to spend over five or ten million dollars on a the property, they got to have a brand name behind the brokerage like it's it's unlikely that an independent brokerage is gonna is gonna get a sale that's really that large um and then of course redfin is actually not a traditional brokerage at all 
but they are a brokerage and they are on this list. And so, and certainly worthy of discussion because they offer a very different internal structure than the rest of these companies. I'm not going to share it in the first half, but in the second half at the beginning, I've got a prediction for Redfin. Okay. All right. I hope uh, the audience is, I, I'm fascinated and excited. And hope I thought that would keep you interested, Robert. I, I'm sure our, hold on. I, it's keeping me so interested. I'm writing it down. Um, okay. So prediction Redfin. All right. All right. So here's the first question that you have to ask yourself, whether you're a broker or you're an agent, the question is twofold. If you're an independent broker, you've established yourself a team or you built a team. And now the question comes, do you want to sell your brand or move your brand over to a major brokerage or somebody like Compass? And then if you're an agent, which is more where I think I wanted to, where I was hoping to gear this conversation, it's how do you choose between a small independent broker and these other major national chains? Um, And for my money, the question needs to start off with where are you at in your career? Okay. If you're a brand new agent, Like you have just gotten your license. I personally would probably not be considering anything other than a national brand that was able to prove to me that they had a strong internal mentoring and training uh, structure. The company that I know that does this the best because they're intaking more agents than most other brands is Keller Williams. Um, I'm not saying that they're the only brand or that, that maybe there's not RE Max offices that don't have like a rock solid training program and aren't going to put you under the wing of their top flight sales executives. I don't know. Uh, I just know that Keller Williams as a brand has uh, training materials because I physically laid my eyes on them. I've seen them myself and they're not the best, but they're not the worst. And they, they have them. They usually have them on hand. So for my money, I would go with an established brand. John, what would you do? Well, I, I can only tell what I'm, the bit I know about Northern Nevada is that I would agree with you nationally. In Northern Nevada, we have an independent, we have about four or five regional I. They're active in Lake Tahoe, Reno, Northern Nevada, as I Washoe Valley. We've got a company called Dixon that has a, a lot of agents. Um, we've got a company called Marshall. I, I'm gonna, I did try and get persuade the principal to come on the show, um, and I, I might have another go at that. He um, He's a little bit controversial. Um, I'm not going to go into why he is, but... Um, but I know he spends a lot of time. He's got kind of real inner group power team, and he's taken. He likes to take on young blood and train them personally. And I've seen, I've spoken to a couple of agents that have worked with him, and he does a really good job. And he spends time and money on it. The cut that he requires is linked to the amount of training he gives you, which I think it's a fair deal. And they do, you know, he uses um, 
a lot of radio advertising, billboards, and does a lot of online advertising. So they do generate leads for their agents. But when it comes to the national, um, I have to defer to your knowledge because I, I just don't have the amount of knowledge that you do about that. But what I've seen is that for the amount of agents I've spoken to, I would agree with you. There's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a few agents that are much more experienced that have joined Kelly and they're bailed out because fundamentally they, they don't like the cut, you know, the, um, the commission structure. They just, and they do seem to have a lot of commission levels, which is some way linked to their internal structure, isn't it, Robert? Yeah. Um, it is. It is very much linked to their internal structure. Also, certainly one of those dialogues that you have as a professional anything, especially where a broker is taking a piece of your available commission. It's, it's acknowledged right off the top. Your first six months to a year, you've probably been trained up about as much as you're going to train up. Some new agents hit the ground running and sell 30 or 40 homes in their first year, and they basically master the transaction, and they've got all of that stuff figured out. And now they realize that since they're spending their own money on leads and they no longer need to be trained, what is the broker really offering? But the broker accepted them in on whatever commission split that they did, and now they have to pay attention to what the morale of the whole sales forces. So even if a top new rookie came up and tried to negotiate, it's likely they wouldn't get a very good deal or, or the most competitive split. Whereas an independent broker, somebody who has a lot of flexibility with the way that their splits work, might at that point be the right person for you to go to, especially if you have provided your own training, you're providing all of your own continued education, you're really bringing a much like more dynamic sales game to the to the brokerage that you're working for. You're basically doing better than most of what they're doing. Of course, you need, in my opinion, as a professional, in all of those circumstances, you need to examine your option for making more of a split. It's your money. If you're making it, the commission doesn't exist unless you're generating it. And if you're out there generating a ton of it, um, why wouldn't you take a look at your options? to see if you can get a better split. The question becomes though, sometimes brand matters in major metro markets. Um, you have to have an independent that has a pretty strong reputation um, in order to compete against these national brands. Uh, if you're in places like Beverly Hills, brand matters a lot. If you're an independent brokerage in Beverly Hills, you're kind of screwed. Like I, I know that market really well. And you're not going to get a $25 million home because your transaction goes into an escrow account. Sometimes the escrow account is managed by the brokerage. These people who are going to give you 25 or 30 or $40 million cash, they're not giving it to an independent brokerage to hold on to for a few days. And, and that is not something that you want to deal with as, um, you, you know, at that level. You just don't. Like, um, the, the top agents that I know work for uh, either Hilton Highland or Coldwell Banker, who are luxury agents in that particular market, because because they like people will give them forty five million dollars cash. Think about the sums of money that we're talking about. It's a lot of money. 
So brand can occasionally and does occasionally matter, but in my opinion, in most markets, for most of you listening to this show today, I don't think it really is going to matter like that. So now it becomes, um, is somebody offering you training or some kind of lead generation? Some teams do do that, Keller Williams, things like that. Um, do you know anything about it? So what is your knowledge uh, John, what are the what are the circumstances you've come across where you believe that people might be getting leads or some other external value from a brokerage brand? Well, that's the problem because all the ones, all the names that you've named, um, I don't, I don't actually think they're doing too much when it comes to Northern Nevada. You know, Dixon's. I, I know, I know a couple of people in the senior. Um, and I pitched Melwright when it was in its early stages, and I had a meeting, and they were gracious, gracious enough to agree to a meeting. But they they were looking at Mel. I, I realise now they were looking at Melwright as a as a brokerage system, and I never designed it for that. And they they went they went for a company called Boston Logic. Yep, that's the name. Um. But it's a very traditional, and I, I think the only problem, the problem that the problem I have with some of these, and you have to tell me if you agree that it applies to some of these national chains. The problem I have with some of the major agencies in in Northern Nevada, the regional ones, um, another one's called Chase. Chase is pretty big as well. So Chase and Dickinson are two of the biggest in Northern Nevada. Um, Chase is a luxury brand um, a because uh, it's dealing with a lot of transactions in Lake Tahoe. Right. But a, a very traditional company in some ways is that some of these regional agencies that they basically I don't know I don't know how to give it the title but they deal they they deal with a lot of churn they've got a lot of agents that are doing like 5 to 10 transactions a year and they have a lot of those type of agents and they're highly profitable for the brokerage because of the split that they they that they they impose upon these type of agents and they have a lot of agents like that. But for somebody that wants, you know, and for a certain type of agent, that's a great setup. I'm not diminishing it, but if you're having somebody, a young person that really wants to sell 40 to 80 houses, I don't see that they're offering a lot of mentorship, and training to get you there, if you understand. Is that making any sense, Robert? No, it is. And so for all of those people that are listening to the show, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay on you some wisdom from 30, 30 plus years of being in sales and running sales teams and, and having my history. So, so if you're listening to the show, you probably fall into a couple of categories. You may be a veteran salesperson and please don't take any of this personally because I don't mean it personally. But the Pareto's principle always holds true from uh, like a sales leadership. And what do I mean by Pareto's principle? It is very, very true that 80% of production comes from 20% of the salespeople. It's just the way it works. It works everywhere. If you've ever held a single just sales job anywhere, you already know where you fall on Pareto's principle. 
And if you fall in the top 80%, I don't care what anybody tells you, do not let them convince you that you are not worthy of breaking rules, making exceptions, and, and all of those things. And that's a little harder to do at larger brokerages. Some people may be truly constrained by rules. And if you're going to be one of those top 80% people, and you know you are, even if you don't have a track record in real estate, because guys, I've got to tell you, there is no secret sauce. It's just the dude or gal that's willing to work a lot harder to study their scripts, to get out early and often and go walk homes so that they have a complete understanding of all the inventory in their market. It's not something they've seen online. They put their boots inside the location. Those are the people that are going to drive major commissions. Because I guarantee you, if you get a half-assed lead and you've already put all that work just into the sales prep process, you're probably going to put in the extra work to go close the lead as well. Put in the extra phone calls, call the lead personally, not let anybody else do it for you. If you're one of those people, you carry a huge amount of negotiating power with you. Every real estate brokerage in the country, every sales organization that ever was, is looking desperately for you. Exactly. I think we go for our break and we come back and also I've got my prediction, haven't I? We'll be back in a few be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Coming back. Robert got a bit animated at the end of our first half. He was slamming the desk. Uh, um, so, Rob. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so, do you want to hear my prediction, Robert? Or do- sure, I was in the middle of a ramp, but, but hit me with your prediction. Well, I think in 2020, Redfin and Zillow are going to merge. Really? That's a fascinating prediction. Um. I think they're companies that um, in some ways are a little bit lost. I think the iHome has its place, but it won't won't generate the new revenue levels that Zillow needs as a public company. Um, It's not a company that's short of money, but it's a public company. So it's required to make more money every year, isn't it? Or or the existing management gets kicked out and either they merge with, either they increase prices, which they've tried and they've had resistance. They try something like iHome, which is okay, but I don't, I think it's a niche segment. Um, So where do they go? Well, where with Redfin, it's, you know, like I said before, it's, it's a great company. the people that use Redfin give it top marks for customer satisfaction. But its ability to grow and get market share the way they were hoping hasn't happened. And I think there's definite fins. So, and we have two companies that are looking for growth, looking for somehow to change the story to the market. And I think Zillow 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I've heard absolutely nothing, but I would not be surprised in the first quarter of um, 2020 that we hear that they are proposing to merge together, Robert. I find that to be a fascinating, a fascinating, um, fascinating proposition. So, <laughs> back up. Um, so, guys, here's here's. So, we've talked a lot about some some various things to consider. So where you are in your career, what if you're not any of these things? What if you're just a salesperson? Well, my advice to you is find somebody that's going to hold your hand, sacrifice your commission, and basically teach and drill yourself until you are one of the 20% as opposed to one of the 80 because honestly, you don't carry much negotiating power. John is absolutely right. The vast majority in real estate that is made by brokerages is actually not made for them by one of the people at the top of the Pareto principal stack. Why? Because those people have already negotiated in much, much steeper um, revenue splits. Uh, they probably cover their own marketing. There's all sorts of things the brokerage has done. So, and, and they don't have a lot of leverage because if somebody's going to say, I can sell 60 homes in my market and, and can show that, what are you going to do as a broker? You're going to, you need that. You want that. That's a huge amount of revenue and you're willing, absolutely willing to negotiate strongly and break your percentage down to the smallest possible bit. But you as an agent who sell five or six homes per year or seven, maybe, you don't have that negotiating power. Nobody's making a deal with you. And I don't mean that poorly. It's just you're not bringing anything to the table. So in, in the light of that very true fact, what do you do? Most of the real estate agents I know are trying to get from being part-time to full-time. And so what they're looking to do is when they start, they just want somebody showing them as much as possible so that they can climb that hill, get their referral base going and sell more than six or seven homes because they would love to have enough money to do some marketing and, and some other things and have a shot at inc increasing and growing their business. This probably sounds like very familiar to a lot of you that are listening to the show. So if that's where you're at, what you should be doing in the interview process is talking a lot about the training materials and the training plans and what people are offering you. You can negotiate. So and I just want to ask you a quick question because you've got a lot more knowledge about this than I have. Have you, have you got a sense of what these major national brands, what, what their training materials and what they offer in general is it got a lot better in the past 18 months or is the landscape where he's the same, basically? Well, to be honest, the landscape is kind of fucked. Um, so here's, here's what happened. So RE Max is a commission, like is a, is essentially for the most part, it's a franchise brand. All right. So as a franchise brand, somebody's leasing the RE Max name and what you have is somebody that used to be an independent broker. And, and while RE Max absolutely sends them a conceptual training program, whether or not that local holder of the brand title actually follows it is completely a mystery. And I can't answer any questions because I don't know what every individual RE Max office is doing. So, and, and they may not be upholding the franchise rules because I found a lot of RE Maxes that don't. So that's tough about RE Max. Keller Williams is better because they've literally structured their brokerage better. They don't really have franchises. 
they have local pieces of a larger company. And the reason that a lot of people jump ship and go over to Keller Williams is because it's a much better run organization as in, in a totalitarian whole. I've been to like two or three Keller Williams meetups and um, they're behind in a number of categories. They're behind in, um, in technology. And you're not getting the two fastest, newest startups listed on this list of six because EXP and Compass were not even mentioned. So Compass... Yeah, but the problem with Compass, you know, we had our guest on show um, 208, was Ed Carey. Well, basically, I agree what Ed said. I think Compass, in some ways, is smoke and mirrors. I disagree. Right. Um, I don't think that Compass is, is uh, smoke and mirrors. I think that they're taking on, so they're one of their big backers is SoftBank. And uh, one of the, the decisions that they've made is they're doing a high growth model that, that is just, they are so well capitalized. And they're not, they're, they're making a lot of really aggressive promises to brokers and things like that. Every broker, because I've got uh, in my list of clients, personal clients, John, I've had three of my bro- brokers flip over to Compass. So I'm really familiar with Compass. And all three of the ones in question were strong independent brokers in, in top flight markets, uh, Denver, New York, and I forget the third. So these guys have all transferred over to them. And what they're getting is they're getting strong stock options. But see, here's the thing. Um, Compass has raised four or five billion, something ridiculous, like two billion of that has come from SoftBank. They have a strong tech team. And they're getting, they're getting a strong conversation nationwide about their technology. They're building some cool technology. There's a lot of buzz about their technology, but they, all they've done for themselves is create an awesome story. They don't have any of this technology. Well, you seem to be agreeing with what Ed said. That there seems to be a lot of promises, but they do have a ton of money behind them. So you're influenced a little bit by the people that have lent them a lot of money. Uh, yes. And there's no, there's no ability to d- decide whether or not. So, so here's what I think it, smoke and mirrors is, is kind of tough. They've got a big team, lots of really big names on it and somebody's doing something. They're working hard at something. So, so that's what I'm saying is not the smoke and mirrors part. They're, they're doing something. whether or not they can deliver on the promise the story, that's all hype and buzz. If it was me, I don't think I would... Yeah, but Robert, from, apart from the buzz, you know, every SaaS company that's, la- that's launched in the past two years, we're, go- we're going off a little bit topic, but let's just finish on this. Um, almost every SaaS company, because um, I've got another world which I do business in, every SaaS company going talks about art- artificial intelligence. And Ed Carey, when we had him on the show, and hopefully he'll come back in the new year, um, he talked about he's building a company that will have some degree of artificial intelligence. So literally every SaaS SaaS company on the market, new one in the past 18 months, has talked about artificial intelligence, right? right? So some of it's true, some of it isn't. I haven't got the intellectual ability to make an assessment, right? Right. 
the only other three, there's only three ways, three platforms, apart, well, there's four ways to get leads. There's the, what I call the Buffini mythology, build relationships, do a lot of one-to-one body content, get referrals, right? Right. There's organic, SEO organic, which you specialize in, your company specializes in. And there's paid advertisement and there's two platforms that dominate it. There's Google and there's Facebook. So fundamentally, there's four freaking ways of getting a lead and it ain't going to change for the foreseeable future. How the God is campus going to do anything when, you know, I just don't see it myself, Robert, but I might be totally wrong. Um, okay. Well, listen, there's a lot that goes on on here it, as a whole story. Compass was a real estate listing app that was launched in New York by two really deep-pocketed and deeply experienced uh, real estate brokers. There was Refkin, who worked for Goldman Sachs, and there was somebody else whose name I forget. And they raised $73 million. And they, they put together a listing app that was started to dominate the New York market. So they had this, 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 this shine of these guys really no technology. Then they attracted the attention of Sun, the guy that runs the SoftBank fund. And then he started talking about putting hundreds of millions in. And it changed the fucking game for Compass because they weren't initially a national brand. They hired 73 brokers in New York. That was the, the story of their company in the first. So they've been around seven years. The first couple of years, it was just them becoming big in New York. That was it. One market. That was it. They changed that story when they got hundreds of millions of, of capital growth dollars. And now all of a sudden, they're this big national brand that's causing all this, these problems. But that's not what the company's founded on. It's founded on this app, a real estate listing app that was centered in New York. And why do I call all this out? So guys, brokers, this, this part of the conversation is now focused on you, the brokers. I'm going to tell you that doing a national brand versus a local brand is wildly different. They've got a really great story right now. And, and national sounds, sounds intriguing. Um, maybe they're going to give you a real estate listing app that's, that's for your marketplace and that's going to be very exciting for you. And, and I don't dis- disagree with that concept, but they built an app using a couple million dollars that was better than the other guys. And that's what they're focusing a national brokerage brand is this app. And so as a piece of technology, I'm not saying that it's not better or worse, but the rest of everything that we're talking about is hype. That's it. It's hype. So they don't have a better website. They don't have better knowledge of lead generation. They don't have anything better that I know of that has to do with your boots on the ground business day to day as a broker. So what are you really getting? You're probably getting that app and you're getting a good story. There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. That's true. I I will investigate them. Um, Thanks for that. I think we're going to wrap it up now, folks. Um, I think it's been an interesting show. I, I think we we have to delve into this a little uh, again when we have a another internal show between me and Robert because uh, it's an area that we haven't discussed over the seventy shows that we've been together, Robert. So, yeah. so we'll be back next week. We're going to have a guest next week. We've got some great guests for October. I can't believe where 
September is gone, but the weeks just fly by. And we'll see you next week, folks, uh, where we're hopefully we'll be providing um, advice and guests that will make you more successful and get the success that you're looking for, not only for yourself, but for your family. We will be back next week, folks. Bye. Guys. Bye.